You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Shubhang Shekhar, and today I'm super excited to talk to Mike on how different is developer marketing from usual marketing. Mike, I'm really excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Shubhang, thank you for having me. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. And uh, seeing the past guests you've had, uh, again, absolutely honored to have a chance to talk about developer marketing and some of the challenges that, that come along with uh, reaching this uh, very unique audience. Absolutely. So Mike, before we jump into the topic, let me introduce you to the whole audience. So Mike Stowe is an author, speaker, developer, and an award-winning marketer who believes in the power of innovation and creativity. Transitioning from life as a developer to that of a marketer, Mike quickly realized the importance of community, creativity, vision, and the trust, which has become central to his success, building numerous award-winning developer marketing programs. Mike now serves as the director of developer marketing at Link Central, where he helps developers revolutionize the way their businesses communicate. Mike, I'm once again super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to all the experiences, challenges, and your knowledge that you're going to share to our audiences. Well, like I said, once again, thank you for having me. And I'm going to apologize to the audience in advance because one thing I, I think about myself is that I'm funny. I tell a lot of puns and jokes. And unfortunately, my coworkers do not feel the same way about my jokes as I do. So I'll apologize in advance. <laughs> That's totally fine, Mike. I think everybody's going to like you a lot for what, what you are and what you're going to share with them. So yeah, I'm super excited as well. So Mike, tell us a little about your journey. You mentioned earlier that you were a software engineer before taking up the developer relationship roles. And why why this move to marketing? Well, Shabaka, I really took the uh, the traditional route to marketing in that growing up, I wanted to be a life flight paramedic. So I was going to you know jump out of helicopters and save lives mm-hmm. until I realized that A, I was afraid of heights and B, I didn't like needles, which didn't work really well for my, my career there. <laughs> and so I took a little bit of a detour and I got into programming and people use the term self-taught programmers. I prefer the term community taught because as I was learning to write code, the community really helped me grow my skills. And without the community, I would never have been able to become a professional uh, software developer. So I was a developer for about 15 years, and, and really I want to kind of uh, pay it forward. You know, so many people did so many things for me, I wanted to start helping the community. So I started writing blog posts, I started you know, working on slides, doing presentations, speaking at meetups or conferences, and pretty soon what I found was that I was working on code for 12 hours a day because no developer works nine to five and then working on the slides, the articles, tweeting, et cetera, the other 12 hours a day. So I was working 12 hours a day. And I remember a friend of mine told me that there's actually a job where I can do this and get paid for it. And I'm like, great, there's a job where I can do what I love, pay it forward to the community and get paid for it. So I made the leap into developer evangelism. And, and the great thing was instead of working 12 hours a day, now I only have to work 36 hours a day. Uh, So it was was a huge win. When I made that transition, there were so many learnings. And it's kind of funny because from a marketing perspective, when you look at developers, the way you look at developers, you develop these stereotypes. They just, they sit their computers all day, they they write code, they don't want to be bothered. And then you look at marketers from a developer standpoint or perspective, and it's, man, marketers do nothing but have meetings all day. (laughs) There's there's a disconnect. And the reality is that I've learned so much moving into the marketing uh, sphere, and there's so much goodness there. And there's so much goodness in the developer space that you know, being able to combine both of those, I think creates a better experience for everybody. So uh, that's how I got into developer marketing was again, start off, had kind of a change of careers 
fell in love with programming. The community really, really helped me out. And then really trying to pay it forward and, and landed into this uh, thing called developer evangelism, which you led me to where I'm at today as you know, leading the developer marketing org at Ring Central. That's amazing. Mike, we've got a lot in common because as you mentioned, you want to be kind of a medic, um, all these things. I also wanted to get into the medicine, but yeah, I mean, there, there's so many stories behind it. So let's not get into that right now. I'm going to say my, my parents were very excited when they found out I was leaving medicine to pursue, <laughs> you know, programming and marketing. <laughs> I'll get myself in trouble here. <laughs> I was in definitely trouble. So I was in a big trouble when I said that I didn't want to get into medicine. But yeah, that's the history. So Mike, you're saying that you're saying that you are into developer marketing right now. What is it all about? Like, could you just take us through that? The easiest way to explain developer marketing or, or developer relations as a whole is my job is to be an intermediary or the go-between between the developers and the company. When you think about companies and the products that they offer, some companies create solutions just for developers. And, and developers have their own specific needs and things that they look for. And one of the things that they look for is technology that's going to make their lives easier. But they're getting sold a lot of stuff regularly. And they, what they don't want to have is somebody say, this is the best software in the world, but not be able to back it up or give them actual factual points in terms of this is what our software can do and this is how it can help you. Now, for companies that focus on developers, it's a bit easier because the company intrinsically understands that's their audience and that's how they approach it. But for companies like Ring Central, where we have developers that build on top of our open platform, but they're not the people necessarily buying Ring Central. They're not you know, the typical decision maker. What that means is the people we sell Ring Central to are looking for how does it help their business, how does it help them grow. They're looking more for the business angle or the fiscal angle a lot of times, whereas the developers are looking for how can I implement this, how can I build on it, how can I extend it, and what can I do with it. So where an API may not be super critical to the person who says I'm going to buy the you know Ring Central, it becomes extremely critical in terms of okay, how do we extend this? How do we utilize it? How do we expand it? And my job is really to be able to take that that high level marketing language and translate it in a way that meets those goals or meets those objectives, while also building relationships with the developer community so that when they have needs or they have feedback, that feedback is elevated within the company. So if a developer says, this is great, but I really need this feature, I can take that back to the company and help them grow. Or if a developer says, this really isn't that good, we know what we need to improve on and we can go fix it. Wow. That's amazing because what you mentioned is absolutely right. The one who's going to buy the solutions is not the one who understands how it's going to help or how it's going to be like going to be used. So that's that's where it's very important that the person is going to use understands what's the true potential of product or solution. That is brilliant to put across, Mike. Thanks for that. So I got a gist of what developer marketing is and why do you think it is important? Could you just share a quick story of how you and your team made a difference in the past? Yeah, I think the biggest difference between developer marketing and, and traditional marketing, and by the way, there's this notion that developers hate marketing. Developers don't hate marketing. They hate aggressive in-your-face marketing. They hate fluffy marketing. Developers want to know about the, the latest and greatest technologies. They want to know about the tools that are going to help them succeed and make them you know, heroes at their job, just like we all want to be heroes at our job. And that means that the biggest difference between traditional marketing and developer marketing or developer relations is traditional marketing is usually focused on lead gen. Developer marketing is focused on building relationships with the idea that the outcome will be more significant down the road. And it's very important to say it should be symbiotic relationships. And the way I like to phrase this is a lead is somebody who you want to do something. A relationship is somebody who wants to do something for you. And that's what changes this difference. And that's why we look at developer marketing. It's more of a long haul effort than the you know, digital marketing or lead gen where you go out, get the list and bang, okay, let's score the lead. Okay, let's nurture the lead. And if they're not you know, going to buy, then we just kind of ignore them. With the developers, they're not necessarily going to be the decision maker or the buyer. So 
let's make sure we're engaging them so that if their company decides that they want to use the product, again, the developer goes, yes, I'm excited. More importantly, the developer is successful. One of the most impactful changes happening right now is the space is moving away from being software as a service and moving to being platform as a service. More and more companies have to provide that integration, that platform or the ecosystem. And if you have an API, but developers can't use it, you're not doing your company good. You're not building that ecosystem and you're actually creating a bad taste, especially if you're a subscription service. So if they can't use it, they're not going to renew with your platform. But uh, going back to the question you asked there, it's kind of funny because, again, we look at marketing, we look at the funnel, we look at, okay, what's what's the pipe? What's the you know the revenue coming in? And with developer marketing, unless you have a, a pay-as-you-go service for developers, it's typically more about indirect revenue or in revenue influence. And one of the more humorous stories I recall, and this is from my time at MuleSoft, is I remember a guy by the name of Charles gave me a call. And he goes, hey, Mike, he goes, do we have a community for our developers? And at MuleSoft, we had our uh, MuleSoft Champions program. At Ring Central, we have our Ring Central Game Changers program, uh, which allows developers to come in, grow their skills, be part of a community, and we give them rewards. And so I told Charles, like, yeah, we, we have uh, our developer community and we have our, again, at the time, MuleSoft Champions program. He goes, and with that program, they can come in and their developers can learn new skills, connect with our developers, and really basically grow and learn to use MuleSoft. And I said, yes. Okay, good. He goes, I just told this company we have that and they just signed the contract, so I want to make sure. And I remember that because I'm like, wait, 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 you haven't signed the contract. Like, what you're telling me is if we didn't have this, I have to build it. Now, this was not a small contract. This was not a small company. Uh-huh. But this company was looking at MuleSoft versus some other uh, competitors at the time. Mm-hmm. And what came down to them was, do we have that community of developers? Do we have a community where their developers can connect, learn, grow, ask questions, you know, share thoughts, etc. And because we had that community component, that completely changed the element of discussion. And it was a no-brainer for them. At Ring Central, we see the same thing time and time again. Or because we have a platform that allows companies to extend their communications, they're now able to choose Ring Central, knowing that whatever they want, essentially do with the Ring Central platform, they can. And that's a big impact because traditionally, when you buy something, you're stuck with what they give you. We don't want our customers to be stuck with what we give them. And I think we give a great solution out of the box, but we don't want you have to say, okay, this has to fit every company exactly. We want them to own the the future of their own communications and be able to transform or revolutionize the way they communicate by tailoring their communications that are custom to their business and, and custom to their needs. And that's what having developer marketing or developer platform does is one, it shows that a bit number two, it's a proof point. When you look at uh, Ring Central developers, we don't just say you can do this. We have customers that showcase what they're doing, that talk about what they're doing with the platform, and they're successful really because of the entire developer ecosystem. If they have questions, they can reach out to us, but they can also reach out to you know the, the 60,000 plus developers in the Ring Central community and ask for their thoughts, ask their questions, mm-hmm. get sample code from them, engage with them in the forum. And so that's what I think developer marketing really does is it provides a bottom of the funnel approach really for developers. Now keep in mind, depending on your company, you may actually have different audiences that you focus on. For example, we focus on non-technical decision makers who write the check and they have to be informed about the platform, but also developers who implement. So again, you have to have that fine balance. But if you're not engaging the developers, if you're not supporting the developers and you're not acting with empathy, integrity, and authenticity with your developers, you're not going to have a community. And when that customer says, hey, I love that you guys have this solution or they have this API, can I talk to someone who's used it successfully? If you don't have anybody, that changes the conversation rather quickly. Wow, that is amazing. You mentioned that in in the previous company, there was there was a deal that was totally dependent on this. Probably, I think I completely agree to that because yeah, when when I'm looking at our teams, right, as I mentioned, like I'm in the sales at Man Matrix. So what we do is that we try to provide the solution to the clients that are getting onboarded as well. That 
it's not just that we're going to transfer something to you or we're going to provide a file to you or, or a platform to you. You're going to be trained to understand what you can actually perform with that. I think this is really, I mean, magnificent because I didn't have a, I mean, I didn't actually know the term to it, but yeah, now after talking to you, I've got to understand, okay, this is what is called as a marketing and a developer marketing and uh, how important it is. So uh, just a quick thought, Mike. So approximately how many companies like in proportion do you think in today's world have developed marketing in place and how necessary is it for tech companies to include this? I think more than a question of how many companies are doing developer marketing is how many companies are doing developer marketing correctly. And the reason I say that is several years ago, there was a book that came out that was called The New Kingmakers, which basically said that if you're not marketing to developers, if you're not engaging developers, and there's any aspect of development to your solution, like for example, if you're a software as a service, if uh, you're offering a platform as a service, if you have APIs and you're not focusing on developers, they're the ones actually heavily influencing purchasing decisions. And that's something that gets lost. And we look at MuleSoft. I, I think one of the reasons MuleSoft did so very well, not only do we have brilliant, brilliant team, not only did it had Ross Mason create something really, really incredible, but we targeted the developer community in a real way. And, and by target, I mean, we built real relationships. And the developers are the ones that were advocating for MuleSoft. Developers were the ones taking MuleSoft to their company saying, we should be using this to speed up development and have more reliable services. So the answer is, a lot of companies are marketing developers without even realizing they're marketing developers. They're just using the same messaging, which doesn't necessarily resonate. They're not talking about their APIs, investing in their platform. And you have to be very careful which message you send, because if you're not investing in your platform, if you're not investing in your developer documentation or your developer messaging or your developer communities, what you're telling developers is, we don't really care about this, whether it's true or not. And it sends the idea that maybe this platform isn't going to be around. Maybe it's not going to be reliable. Maybe we're not going to be taking your feedback, or maybe we're not going to be engaging with you or responding when you have questions. Hmm. More and more, we're seeing developer relations and developer marketing become a thing. Now, it's still in the, the buzzword phase where a lot of companies are implementing developer relations, developer marketing are doing so because, well, we, we know we're supposed to. And, and I'm going to pick on, you know, Ring Central really quickly because Ring Central is a fantastic company. And one thing I really appreciate is that when they brought me in, they took a step back and said, we don't completely understand this space. So we want you to run and help guide us with that. When I came in, one of the first asks I had was to create data sheets for all of our endpoints. Now we have over 500 endpoints at Ring Central, So that's 500 data sheets. And the challenge that they had was, this is what, and I, I report to product marketing, this is what product marketing does. It creates data sheets. It creates case studies. And so my job was to come in and create data sheets and case studies for developers. And we'd take a step back and go, developers don't read data sheets typically. Right. You know, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for your developer documentation. And that's where we have to invest and improve and treat our documentation as though it's core of the product we're offering. That's part of the product we're offering. So again, I think to answer your question, we're seeing it more and more prevalent. We're seeing more and more companies looking at it, but a lot of companies still don't understand what it is or what they're trying to accomplish. And I think anytime you try to go somewhere without knowing where you're going or how to get there, you know, it becomes problematic. That being said, there are, there are companies that do it very, very well. And those companies typically follow, and I'm going to give Rod Spector from Twilio credit here, the three core model, which is trying to take a balanced approach of going out and evangelizing with the community, creating education that's going to help developers grow their skills. And of course, building a strong community that developers can be a part of. And that's everything I'll throw out the community really quickly is when you build a community, a lot a lot of companies decide that it's going to be you know, our community, that we're going to talk at developers. That's not how developer marketing works. You're not talking at developers. You're not selling developers. What you're doing is you're engaging developers in honest conversations. And if the solution meets their needs, fantastic. If it doesn't, you have the conversation understanding that that's okay. We want to create a good relationship so that they can go tell someone else who needs it. 
and they can use it. And most importantly, that they look like a hero and that we give you know, the person who uses a good experience. So we look at community uh, from a marketing perspective. The key thing I tell people is it's not your community. The Ring Central developers community is not Ring Central's community. Ring Central is privileged to be a part of the community that loves Ring Central. You know, we're privileged to be part of the community of our developers or the developers using Ring Central. And I think when you take that mentality and again you focus on creating symbiotic relationships, that's when you start building the program the right way and that's when you start seeing more success. Mike, you mentioned that, like, uh, I mean, the, the whole difference here is that how good do you implement the developer marketing aspect in any organization? And that's the main, that's the whole difference because there could be a company that has a team that is in developer marketing, but how effectively they do is what you said is important. And why do you think there could be a gap in this? Like, why do you think the people, I mean, though a company has a developer marketing in place, why, why are they failing in it? Shabbat kind of funny because before we kicked this off, we had a quick conversation and I shared stories, which I probably won't share here because I got myself in trouble. But there's, <laughs> there's a challenge in that most developers don't understand marketing and most marketers don't understand developers. And so you have a gap and you know, you're asking for, for change in the dynamic and change is very, very hard. You know, I wish I could tell you that my transition to marketing was perfect and there were no issues whatsoever. I can't tell you the number of times I put my foot in my mouth or didn't understand why marketing did things the way they did. And I'd hear from people on my marketing team, why are you doing things the way you're doing coming at from a developer background? The, the first problem is that disconnect in terms of a lot of companies that are traditionally focused on marketing, they, they have fundamentals in place. And it's not that those fundamentals don't translate to developer marketing, they absolutely do. You look at our developer marketing program, we have a developer funnel, which mimics the standard marketing funnel. We have OCRs and KPIs and everything else. Uh, and we roll up into marketing goals, but it requires you to change the way that you're communicating. It requires you to change your messaging. It requires you to rethink and potentially tweak, not necessarily change, but tweak aspects of your brand to you know fit with the developer community tone and voice. And that's very hard. It's very hard for a company that says we need to create data sheets because that's what we do and that's what we've been trained to do. And that's what marketing has been doing for years to say, no, that's actually the wrong approach when there's all this empirical evidence that says, no, it's successful. And so it is absolutely successful for the B2B market and the B2C market, but it may not be successful for the B2D or B, uh, business and developer market. And, and that's problem number one. Problem number two is developer relations over marketing initially as a cost center. If you have a developer marketing organization that falls into marketing, uh, which a lot of companies do, most marketing organizations have a ratio where every dollar you spend, you have to get X back. With developer marketing, unless you have a pay-as-you-go service, you're not seeing it in that same way because you're not creating lean gen. Again, you're, you're fostering relationships. You're not focused on the top of the funnel. You're focused on the bottom of the funnel. And so there's no direct revenue that you can point to. And that creates an issue because then you get, you know, is it causation or not? As you look at like indirect revenue. And a lot of... Developer relations, developer marketing orgs uh, use what I call vanity metrics, which is they focus on things like API calls. And API calls is, is an important metric, but it doesn't actually tell the business anything. It can be a great metric to start out with, but it doesn't tell the business how you're moving the needle or how you're helping them uh, reach their bottom line. And so that's where I think you eventually have to look at other metrics such as, uh, does it affect stickiness? Does it affect lifetime value? Does it affect customer satisfaction? You'll start pointing to other things that can be tied to revenue. Does it impact deals? Did someone say, we bought this solution because of the platform. But again, without having that, it becomes this giant cost center and it becomes very hard. Again, one, you're telling people to fundamentally change everything they know and what's been bringing them money. And number two, you're telling them, not only do you have to fundamentally change everything you know and everything that's making you money, but we're going to cost you money. And that creates some uneasiness as, as it should. And I think the last is there's a lot of companies that still don't understand the power and influence that 
developers have. If you're going to an enterprise business, for example, and you're selling SaaS or, or uh, you know platform as a service, there's a lot of companies that say developers don't write the checks. We don't need to worry about developers. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm going to focus on the CIO. I'm going to focus on the director of IT or the VP of engineering. But at the end of the day, it's the developer that actually uses the software or integrates with your platform. And, and that's where Salesforce did so exceptionally well, by the way. Salesforce invested heavily in their developer community. Why would a CRM invest so heavily in their community? Well, now you have Salesforce developers, you have integrations to Salesforce, you have a giant you know, uh, Salesforce app store, app marketplace, and you have companies going, Salesforce is built in everything we do, Salesforce is a solution we're using. Same reason that HubSpot is now pursuing an aggressive developer marketing strategy. But again, it's, it's not an instant return, it's not comfortable, it's different, and, and it makes us question what we're doing. It requires time for everybody to get on the same page and time for everybody to to see the benefits. You know, when you start a, a new developer relations, developer marketing program, every, every place I've gone, I told them, the first six months, you're going to wonder if I'm even doing anything. You're going to wonder if, I, if, I, if I'm if i just sitting here twiddling my thumbs because you're not going to see any results because we're not going after leads. We're going after relationships. But after those six months, after that year, after the next two years, as it starts to grow, you, you start to see that transition. Ring Central went from being a company that a lot of developers were unaware of. And, and I'll get myself in trouble. I tweet out to my friends and asked them, what do you think of Ring Central? I just joined this company. It's an awesome company. What do you think? And the first response was, never heard of them. And that's really bad for a company that has 400,000 customers for developers to not know who they are. The second one said, I love Ring Central. I think I used them 10 years ago to send a fax. <laughs> Also not what I wanted to hear. So, I mean, that's not what you want. By establishing a community-first approach, by doing what's right for the developer community, and by implementing these programs, again, if you had asked the question in six months, you would have got the same answer. You might guess somebody goes, oh, well, you're there, so it's a great company. Well, that, that's not a real answer. Now, if you look at Ring Central, we've actually are one of the most awarded developer programs in communications over the last four years. We've won numerous awards from developers, including you know, best in communications APIs, best in communications innovations, Best developer dashboard. Uh, and my personal favorite one, you know, best public API overall, where we beat out a organization called NASA. Now, anytime I beat NASA at anything, I'm excited because I feel like NASA is simply out of this world. Mm-hmm. Again, for everyone listening, I apologize okay. for the puns. But, but that's the difference it makes. And that's where it takes that time. And again, when you look at marketing, you have the, the short-term tactics and the long-term tactics. So often we measure uh, marketing and short-term tactics, and we measure developer marketing short-term tactics, and it looks unsuccessful. And so that's, again, I think the reason why more companies haven't adopted it is just because it's still an unknown. It, it goes against the very fundamentals or or the core beliefs that have been ingrained into us as marketers. It's uneasy, it's a cost center, and it takes time. That's great. Mike, I mean, like, you've been almost like, I think if I'm not wrong, you're in this role, in this organization for almost four years right now. And out of that, I think almost 50% is like, if you talk about 2020, you know where I'm getting to. It's the pandemic. <laughs> every every leader's little nightmare, I'd say. And it, it was an untested ground for every leader in that particular point of time. So what were the challenges you faced and how did you handle them? Like, could you give us some example of what, what were the initial thoughts and um, the outcomes that you, you brought into the picture? I get back to you when we, when we figure it out. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, so no, there, there's, been a, there's been a lot of challenges. You know, developers... Again, there, there's this idea that developers are super introverted and, and you know they hide at their computer all day, which isn't true. Developers are actually very, very social. If you look at developers, they're engaging on online communities, you're going to developer meetups, going to developer conferences. And there's actually a lot of you know developer events that, that are in person. And that was probably the biggest shift that we had is all of a sudden these developer events, and we were very firm believers in supporting community conferences and community events, they were no longer there. And so instead of being able to talk to developers face-to-face and go to these events, that entire area... Mm-hmm 
of our, our strategy to build these relationships disappeared. And that transitioned to online. And online isn't the same as in person. We, we, I mean, we all know it's very different when you have a person in-person conversation versus a, a meeting. And so that sort of worked, but there's so much meeting fatigue now and virtual conference fatigue. And the other problem that happened is all of a sudden, throwing an in-person conference is really, really hard. To the people that do it, you have my tremendous respect. Throwing an online event is a lot easier. So we saw a lot of online events pop up where it was event after event after event after event. And you add that with being at home, not being able to, to you know, get away if you have children. And children are absolutely precious. But I think any parent who has been at home with with a child and, and there's no reprieve, they just want some peace and quiet every now and then. So, so you add that on, on top of everything and just it became so much burnout. And so I think what we're really trying to do is you know, to a digital approach, could you put thought leadership content out there, education content out there, content that's going to help developers grow their skills, while also trying to be empathetic about the situation that our community is in, in terms of being burnt out from all these online events and not trying to push event after event after event at them or meeting them where they're at. And we do that again through numerous mediums. Uh, we have our Game Changers program where people can come in and engage with us on their own time and again, earn prizes and rewards. We do have our, our online meetup where if they want to come to a meetup, they can. We have our online conference where they want to come to a conference they can but at the same time we're gonna be there to support them and and when this thing you know finally gets past us hopefully soon we can't wait to see them back in person we can't wait to do what we can to support them and, and make sure they're successful and not just focus on physical health but also make sure we're, we're focusing on our community's mental health and everyone's doing well there that's totally right i was actually thinking about that like because when you talk about developers and we talk about tech savvy people so they want to have their own space they want to kind of explore the whole technology they want to understand they want to go deeper into it so when getting them that space probably the pandemic was again there was a lot of pressure on everybody but again yeah I mean, they got their own space to uh, and relax think about what is required and at the same time if you were able to kind of give them what they wanted in terms of the training and all the, all the support that was required for them i think that that's actually the best part of what you've done to the team and to the external teams as well like that's great and coming to the last question mike so what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into developer marketing or developer relations because you you made a transition ultimately so and i mean you'd have gone through a lot of different experiences but i think i remember you mentioning that your transition was very smooth so like it couldn't be the same for everyone so what is the advice that you would give to them and what about a company that wants to start a program and what, what are your advices for them so I think it really depends on where you're coming from. If you're a developer, the first thing I say is start getting involved with your community if you're not already involved. And that means you know start sharing your knowledge with others, start writing blog posts or content, start mm-hmm. speaking at meetups, get comfortable speaking when you're ready, submit to a conference, go on Stack Overflow and, and help answer questions, go on GitHub and, and commit to open source projects. Start doing those things. But also start looking to the marketing aspects. You know, there's there's lots of great courses, whether it's on LinkedIn or the Product Marketing Alliance or any other place where you can learn some marketing skills and get a concept of marketing, but also take time to engage with marketers and have conversations and understand why they do what they do. Because that's the biggest difference is you both speak very different languages. And it's very important to go in with open mind. And as developers, uh, sometimes, you know, I think it was Larry Wall that said that three qualities of a good developer are laziness and patience and hubris. We have to get rid of the hubris when we make that transition to marketing. You know, there has to be an acknowledgement that as developers, you know, we're like, oh man, I wrote the best code. Uh, we look at it two years later, we're like, who wrote this? This is terrible. We can't go into marketing thinking we know what marketing is or how marketing should be done because we don't understand it. And the same goes true for those in marketing who want to make the transition to developer marketing. You don't necessarily have to be technical. 
<laughs> uh, and that's, I think, the biggest misnomer is you have to be technical to be in developer marketing. Yeah. It helps. It helps you with the conversations. If you're not technical, you're going to want to connect with technical people and rely on your PM or your product team or your engineering team and build those relationships. But don't just assume that because what you've done in marketing, it's going to translate to the developer audience. Take time to talk to developers. Take time to run your ideas by developers. Take time to get their feedback. And you're going to get honest, candid feedback, and it's going to sting. One of the uh, greatest moments of my pride is when I went to MuleSoft, we, we built a champions program and mm. I shared this with the community and I had a, a developer reach out and he said, you have just destroyed what's left of the MuleSoft community. You've just single-handedly destroyed. And this was a public post that was about 40 pages long. Uh, not not quite, but I probably was about four pages long. And, and I literally, and I had just come in and our entire goal was to rebuild the community and reestablish the community. And Basically, single-handedly, I just killed it off. And, and that's feedback that you have to take and understand. And and this is where, again, kind of doing you know a deep analysis or a core analysis to understand what actually are the problems. We felt that the problem wasn't the forum. We thought the problem was that people weren't engaged in the community. That's what we were trying to address. I had a candid conversation with them. I said, I appreciate your feedback. You may be absolutely right, <laughs> which is you know, hard for a developer to say is I could be wrong. But I said was, Let, let's let's try it out. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. I'm committed to this community. I'm committed to your success. Again, being very transparent. I was very honest with them. I was authentic with them. And I acted with empathy because again, he's in this community before I am. I have to respect that. Thankfully, it worked out. And by the way, that's I received something from a developer that I've never received mm-hmm. ever again or never before this. And as I received an email with an apology where he said, you turned this around. You, you actually, this was the right decision. But developers are going to give you their honest feedback, not because... They're angry, not because you're marketing, but because they're passionate about what they do. They're passionate <laughs> about the community and they want to see it succeed. And so you have to be willing to take that feedback, have those honest conversations. And again, that means running ideas by them. I'm not going to name the company, but there was a company that had wanted me to take a bingo card to an event. And this event was made up of 25% CEOs. Mm-hmm. And on the bingo card, one of the items was find the trolling CEO. Now, that might be bad, but it gets worse. Then it was, find the developer in a Viking hat. Now, here's where I have to eat my words, because this is my luck. The very next conference I went to, there was a developer wearing a Viking hat. That's the only developer wearing a Viking hat I've ever seen in my life. I won't put that caveat there. Find the Xeno Warrior Princess, which is a terrible stereotype, because you have to understand some of the challenges in the developer community, including the challenges of equality. And so you start running into those things, and this is run by the marketing org, and I actually had a big fight with the marketing org over it, where I said, here's the deal. I'm not taking these. They said, well, we're going to mail them. I said, well, I'm going to throw them away. (laughs) It would would have damaged the company. It would have damaged my reputation. It was not done correctly. And that's where if you're not coming from the developer space, you have to have those canned conversations, run the ideas by developers, get their feedback, because there are a lot of nuances that you're not going to be familiar with. When it comes to developer relations for developer evangelists, there's a saying, it's not if you get fired, it's when, because someone's going to take something you say the wrong way and misconstrue it. And as marketers, messaging is so important that we can't have to be misconstrued. Finally, for companies, what I'd say there is take a step back. First of all, I, I commend you for saying we want developer marketing, developer relations. And there's a 99% chance it's the right decision. But take a step back. Understand mm-hmm. what it is you're trying to accomplish. Understand what your goals are. And then engage with mm-hmm. some people who are already in the developer marketing space. You know, Talk to people who are running programs. Ask them about their experiences. Ask them what the expectation should be. So often I see roles that get created where they say we want developer marketing. But again, they don't know what it is. They don't know what the outcome is. And the expectations are, are not aligned with what's going to make them successful. And if you hire someone with you know, expectations of what you need to do that are incorrect, and you force them to do that, 
they're not going to be successful. It's going to hurt their standing in, in the industry. You're not going to be successful. You're going to lose a lot of money. And there you go. This whole developer relations developer marketing program thing just doesn't work. So instead, talk to other thought leaders, think through what you're trying to accomplish, have a firm strategy, and then identify a person that's going to really mesh with your strategy and be able to you know, come in and lead that and build that out. That'd be my recommendation for companies. Yeah, I think it's absolutely crucial. I, I think if you're not already thinking that as becoming a platform as a service or having an API that people can extend and build an ecosystem, I think the reality is your competitors are and you're behind the times. I would you know, suggest just start looking at it uh, and start considering it because ultimately what we've seen in the space is every company is going as a platform as a service. And if you look at the top 30 most successful companies, top 30 most successful SaaS companies, mm-hmm. I think it's now 20 of them have focused on developer relations or developer marketing. Wow. That's so true because I mentioned that in terms of the company's perspective or in terms of a, an individual perspective. So what is very important is is very crucial. And you you put it across in the best way possible to the audiences. Mike, before we, I think I think this has been a great discussion that we've had and uh, thanks for sharing all the details. And we kind of asked the three questions to all our guests. So the first thing is going to be like, what is a book or a blog or a newsletter or a website that you recommend our listeners to kind of look into? So the blog I'm going to recommend, it's an old blog. Uh, it's by Keith Casey, who is one of the original evangelists over at uh, Twilio uh, when they were starting out here. Mm-hmm. It's an honest blog, and basically it says why I love developer evangelism and why I hated developer evangelism. And, and I think that's important because for developers looking at making the transition, especially if you're looking to be a developer evangelist, you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. But for leadership mm-hmm. who is looking at bringing on developer advocates or developer evangelists on their team, you need to understand what they're going through. You need mm-hmm. to understand their challenges. You know, developer evangelists, the lifespan of developer evangelists is between six and 12 months. You might take six months just to get them onboarded. So wow. basically you get six months out of them if you're lucky. Why? Because people don't know mm-hmm. the, the burnout, the challenges. They're not putting up the proper gates to help developer evangelists make sure they take time to take care of themselves. You know, I say that developer evangelists are like racehorses. They love to run. They love to help the community. They love to help others. But I've seen so many evangelists that just, they run themselves to pure exhaustion. And that's why they end up burning out. Or it's the company politics or the company doesn't appreciate what they do and doesn't understand the amount of work that went in it. I had uh, one instance, and I'll just get myself into trouble here really quickly, where I had a boss who said, you know, I understand you're having fun out there. <laughs> I just come back from a three back-to-back red eyes. I got a total of three hours mm-hmm. of sleep. And by the way, all three hours were on a plane. It was Monday morning. So basically, I worked the entire week on a plane, flew there, three back-to-back red eyes. We're talking 18-hour days, the events and stuff and, and teardown setup. Mm-hmm. And again, because I was back-to-back, I didn't have a chance to go to sleep. I just jumped on a plane with the next event. Got back, was in the office 8 a.m. Monday morning to do work for the rest of the week. There was no fun. You know, my, my, my fiance used to think that she hear developer parties and she's going, oh, maybe you're going to all these parties. And she went to an event with me and she's getting a little bit frustrated because she wanted to go to the, the aquarium in Atlanta. And she called me and she's like, where are you at? I'm, I'm at the conference. She goes, no, you're not. The conference closed two hours ago. <laughs> like, yes, I'm wrapping up, I'm cleaning up and I'm shutting down the booth. She believed me. She walked over, got in, and she's like, oh, you're wrapping up, you're cleaning up, you're shutting down the booth. <laughs> we were in Atlanta for, I think it was like five days. We got to the aquarium. Mm-hmm. We got to the aquarium at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning before our flight out because that was the only free time I actually had. And that's what people don't see. They see you're having a good time, you're buying drinks, you're talking to people. There's, there's a lot more to it. There, there's a lot of great resources uh, out there uh, that, that I'd recommend people look at. If you search for developer evangelism there's, mm-hmm. or developer relations, developer marketing, there's lots of great content and you're going to find a lot of great content out there. Mm-hmm. And then for those interested, I'm working on a book. It's actually targeted for developers. It's called Developer Evangelism for Developers, which focuses on kind of what to expect with developer relations, developer evangelism, how to make the transition, and some of the fundamentals of marketing that I wish I knew when I made that transition. That's awesome. Mike, Like, could you name like three people in your connections that you recommend we bring on the show? I'm very, very blessed that there's a lot of people that I've been able to network with who are absolutely brilliant. 
and across a wide range of topics. First person I'm going to recommend, uh, if you haven't a chance to talk to him yet, is Ross Mason. Ross Mason founded MuleSoft. He took it from an open source project that he did on, on the side all the way to, of course, a company that was acquired by, by Salesforce and is now their leading integration suite. Absolutely fantastic guy. On the developer relations front, you know, people that I would highly recommend, Adam Sigelman, who basically came in after the great work that was started at Salesforce on their developer relations program and helped really grow that and eventually became the CEO of developer relations at Salesforce. And then he went to Google, another great guy. Mm-hmm. I guess lower, uh, not to say lower in the field, but people who are you know still building out programs. You know, Michael Heap is a, is a great friend of mine. The guy is brilliant. Uh, he's leading developer marketing, developer relations at Kong. You have... Uh, I can't say his last name. He makes fun of me for it. Phil Legetter. Uh, it's French. It's like uh, Legetter. I, I, I can't do it. And he, he, he just, every time. But he ran uh, developer relations at Nexmo, uh, which is now Vonage, and just did a fantastic job with that. And of course, Rob Spector from Twilio did a fantastic job. And Rob Spector really established a lot of the things that we work on. Mm-hmm. There's a few names. There's definitely more. Like I said, there's just so many great people. And of course, uh, just about anyway at Ring Central, I recommend as well because we have such an incredible team. But like I said, if, if, I, if I keep naming names, we're going to be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to drop in a mail with all the details, all the all the people that you recommend we get them on the show. We'd be very happy to have them. <laughs> That'll be my next book. <laughs> <laughs> also, last one more thing, Mike. So there's so many audiences that would like to get in touch with our guests. So how do you think they could actually get connected with you if they'd like to? Yeah, I've been so blessed in that so many people have helped me that I try to be an open book and I try to you know connect with as many people as possible and, and do whatever I can to support everyone in, in this community. That's one thing I love about mm-hmm. developer marketing, developer relations, is it's still new enough a field that we're all frenemies. You know, it, it's one of those things where you know Phil and Rob, I actually had to give Phil a call when I joined Ring Central to let him know I was joining Ring Central because I'd be competing against him. Mm-hmm. Phil and I, you know, great friends. Uh, Rob, again, I can't thank Rob enough for all he did. In fact, when I started at Ring Central, um, I you know, had some guys in the communication space mm-hmm. from our competitors who. Like, oh, here's how you do this. This is how this works. And actually training me about communications. So please feel free to reach out to me. The easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Just search for Mike Stowe. I'm the one with the goofy looking photo. Otherwise, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. It's Mike G as in George Stowe. So Mike G Stowe. And, and if you can't tell, I'm a little bit vain. So you can also reach me on my website, MikeStowe.com or me at MikeStowe.com. I do get some of the emails, but I'll try to respond as quickly as I can. That's amazing, Mike. I think it, it was an amazing 45-15 minutes discussion that I've had with any guest on the show. It was great talking to you, Mike. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Ashimak, thank you for having me. To everyone who's still here listening and hasn't gotten bored me thank you for for your time <laughs> again it's just great to be here thanks again I'd like to thank all the audiences who have been signed up on the show and who have listened to all this while so thank you so much everybody see you all bye-bye thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of sunny side up if you liked what you heard please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on itunes spotify or wherever you consume podcasts you can also find us on youtube and demand-based tv 